Hello everyone and welcome to the Referees a Tanker. As this is our first podcast, let me introduce ourselves. My name is Liam Shanley. I'm joined on a weekly basis by my co-hosts and best friends, Michael Berthin, Pete Berthin, Craig Robertson, Martin Shanley and on the occasion, Sebi Tinning. Our aim on a weekly basis is to review the results and fixtures for the top leagues in England and Scotland, as well as going round the, round the houses in Europe to touch base with Spain, Italy and Germany. We'll throw in some quick-fire questions every week and on the occasion we'll do some bonus pod action with some top fives. Um, we're passionate about what we do. We know there's a lot of content out there for football, but we've got a good level of knowledge and hopefully enjoy the content. Evening everyone, welcome to the Referees a Tanker podcast. My name is Liam Shanley, I'm joined tonight by my co-hosts and best friends, uh, Craig Robertson, Michael Berthin and Martin Shanley. How are we doing boys, we all right? Good man, not bad. Good, good. All good. Good stuff lads. Um, we've got a wee mixture of what we're going to cover on today's podcast. We'll quickly touch base with the top divisions in England and Scotland. There was semi-final action in Scotland in the League Cup where the Old Firm took on Aberdeen and Kilmarnock uh, respectively. But we'll do is we'll cover a quick look at the 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 results from the Scottish Premier League, um, and then we can go on to England and we can discuss the results on their own merit. Is that all right? Go for it, mate. Crack on. So Saturday in Scotland saw Hibs and Dungeon United share uh, the spoils at Easter Road. Hibs coming from behind twice in a very very bang average performance from Hibs. I was at the game at Easter Roads, um, not great, and Lee Johnson somehow kept his job. Uh, Motherwell and Ross County again shared the spoils at Far Park, 1-1. And St Johnston succumbed to a relatively heavy defeat at Hopey Livingston, 4-2. Um, another poor result for the Saints, and they're kind of dropping a little bit like a stone in the league. Uh, Friday night action before the Saturday was Hearts taking the points at Tynecastle with a 1-0 win over St Mirren, who were unlucky not to get a penalty, but we can discuss that later on in the pod. The semi-finals in the League Cup saw Celtic defeating Kilmarnock 2-0 again with a relatively um, contentious decision near the end that Celtic got away with. But um, again, VAR's got its own... We could talk about VAR's own bonus pod further down the line. Rangers overcome Aberdeen after extra time 2-1 on what was, quite frankly, a mud heap at Hamden. It wasn't great. Um, English Premier League, Thursday night, um, Fulham took... Tear Chelsea 2 1 at uh, Fulham. Um, poor from Chelsea. Aston Villa defeated Leeds, which is a pretty decent game at Villa Park 2 1. Saturday saw um, Manchester United defeat Man City, deservedly so, in the Manchester Derby. Brighton demolished a very poor Liverpool 3 0. Southampton put a big nail in Frank Lampard's coffin at Goodison with a 2 1 win, uh, coming from behind as well. Um, Forest took care of Leicester 2-0 Wolves and West Ham played a pretty narrow pretty narrow game but Wolves taking the spoils with a 1-0 sneak and Brentford taking care of Bournemouth in the late game 2-0 um, Sunday's results saw Chelsea get a much needy win against Palace 1-0 at the bridge Newcastle scoring late to defeat Fulham after Alexander Mitrovic penalty mishap and Arsenal beating Spurs in a pretty non-eventful um, North London Derby, apart from a fan attempting to kick 
Aaron Ramsdale. That was the closest thing that a Spurs fan or player got to an Arsenal <laughs> player the whole the whole weekend. So, um, what's our thoughts, lads? What we what we thinking? I think the the Southampton Everton game that was massive for Southampton. I know they'd won two cup games, so them getting that one against Everton should surely start putting some momentum in them. They can maybe start climbing away from the bottom of the table if they can get a couple more results together. That um, bottom of the table is so close to the way. Yeah, none oh of them God. are in any sort of form whatsoever. Yeah, that's huge for Everton. That's a bad result. Yeah, that's a that's a momentum drain that just takes any sort of hope. Just, do you think it's um, if the? I mean, the players on paper, they've got a decent squad of players. Some some uh, decent players in there. They just they're just not playing at all together. No. And I don't know if it's a if it's just a, you know a, a core thing of the the the, the club is just rotten from the inside out. Uh, the mentality is just poor. Um, or if it's that is Lampard really the right man to, to be doing the job. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that, I mean, they're obviously, they're, they're not playing very well, but I, I just, I, I'm surprised that there is, they are where they are. Um, yeah. Because they have got some good players, you know? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think Lampard's a problem there, to be yeah. honest with you. I don't I think, think he's a problem at all. I think if you were to pick a squad <clears throat> of teams that you want in a relegation scrap to get you out, you would not pick Everton's squad. It looks no. like you're the nice players. Yeah, loads of like Awobis and Greys yeah. and Calvert Lewins and Tom Davises. I'm like, there's nobody in there that's going to drag you out by the scruff of your neck. Nah, I feel like they're just a sinking ship. The mentality is rotten. The atmosphere around the club's rotten. The protests, the the questioning of fans and Anthony Gordon getting like huckled inside his car by fans and just oh, it's just a, it's a it's a spiral. Eh? I feel like it's it's not looking yeah. good for them. Can't be a nice place just now, can it? To be playing it. How good Ward Prowse though? His set pieces, unbelievable. Yeah. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, the nice well like, bother with a keeper in goals. He's going to put it in the goal. There's nothing. That his first goal is actually better than his free kick. If you actually see his first goal, yeah, the technique good. was absolutely superb. Yeah, I still think the free kick was a good free kick, but I still think the keeper. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. I'm not no, a fan of. He Pickford. stuck it in a corner, was it? I'm not. No, I'm I not agree. A fan of Pickford. Not I'm not a fan of Pickford, but I think it's a good free kick, but not one that's unsavable. It's not yeah. top bins. It's not like in off the bar of that. He's no. literally dropped in. And like He's had enough time to move his feet there. Big time. Yeah. Big time. I mean, moving away from Everton, we saw Liverpool succumb to a really, really impressive writing. Liverpool never put up much of a fight. They look a little bit tired. I mean, I think they're winning tonight when we're recording this pod. They were um, 1-0 up against Wolves in the FA Cup replay. Yeah, yes, one they look t- they look tired away to Brighton. Um, again, there was decisions in the the Manchester derby that were worth discussing. We can touch base with them later on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, West Ham getting beat away for Wolf is a big result as well. West Ham are toiling big time, um, and they don't look like they've got an awful lot of nah. They've not got a lot of options. Yeah, nah, nothing up front, mate. Nothing up front. Antonio's Antonio, not the option. Not nah, and Skamaka's consistently injured. I mean, you've yeah. got nice players. I mean, mm. you've got Paquetas and your Rices and Lanzinis. They're they're definitely ballers, but you just feel like they're they're just toiling to find that that they're not going to score enough goals. Nah. I mean, the, the, the thing with West Ham, you, you guys can't all about this. If you if you can't defend at one end and you can't score at the other end, you're going to toil. Mm-hmm. You're going to toil. Oh, yeah. Simple as that. You're going to lose more games than you win. Yeah, right. 
because you can't keep relying scoring, and you're relying on your defence to keep clean sheets. So you can't, you can't score the other end. Nah, yeah. If you're West Ham, you're down the bottom. Trial. You're not going to score enough goals to when you, yeah. like, you're going to concede one a game. You're relying on your strikers to score two, and they're not doing that. No. They're in the bottom three now, and that is the main reason they can't yeah. score and they can't keep clean sheets. Yep. Oh, moving away, moving away from England, we saw the results over the weekend in the the top division in Scotland. Hearts with a, a really good win against Samirin, who put up a fight. Um, we're unlucky not to get the, the penalty in Hearts. Great result. Great result for Hearts. It's massive to keep somebody off your back in that kind of like top four, top five area of the league. Um, Bob, were you at the St. Johnston game against Livingston or did you give him a miss? Sadly, I was at the game, I Were you? How was it? <laughs> oh, mate, they, they literally had three attempts on goal in the first half and scored all three of them. Defend them as woeful. Um, we came out in the second half, gave it a bit of a go, got it back to 3-2, missed a couple of opportunities to get it back to 3-3. And then once they get the fourth one, that just kills any sort of momentum you had. Um, we're looking dodgy at the back. We're, we're, we're scoring goals, which we weren't doing last year. But when you're conceding as many sloppy goals as we are just now, especially even against Aberdeen, we let in a couple of sloppy goals. Yeah, then yeah, it's it's, it's not looking good. <laughs> Unlike the Johnson, they can see sloppy goals above. They shouldn't yeah. be doing that. They're usually strong defensively. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not comparing us to Everton at all. But I think there's a there's a lot of unhappiness. The club's obviously up for sale. Um, you've got the fans boycotting the game this weekend. I know the, the ticket sales were so low, eh? Three hundred for home fans. Jeez, so, I know that's only fifty less than normal, but. <laughs> 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 I'll say it before any of you guys do. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of uh, unhappiness just now. You saw so, the worst, the worst uh, um, games run of games in the league so far, eh? Yeah, yeah five and, and you've got the, you're the second. You've um, it goes against second behind Dundee United, conceding too many. Eh? That's yeah. like we're yeah. just saying about West Ham. If you're going to concede, yep. you're never going to, you've never got a chance. Eh? Mm-hmm. The thing is, as well, Robo. Literally five weeks ago, you were talking about how St Johnson were the form team in the league. <laughs> yeah, yeah, We've lost just... every game since then. So, don't <laughs> say anything like that ever. <laughs> <laughs> or, or say it about Hearts. Like... <laughs> uh... um, I was at Easter Road for the full game, unlike my brother who left at halftime. <laughs> um, I was thirsty. Oh, hi. Um, Hibs from the start to finish were abysmal. I thought we were really poor. Did we got probably what we deserved given the second half pressure, but not the the quality goals we conceded was poor. We were, it was like eleven individuals playing as opposed to a unit. We had pushed a centre midfielder to right back and a centre defender in the centre midfield when we had options on the bench to keep the same shape. It just felt like too many was it square pegs and round holes. Just felt so disorganised, but. I mean, Kevin Nisbet saves the day, and as far as I'm concerned, he's worth his weight in gold. So that's five and two and seven and six since he came back from injury. So, I mean, we can touch base on the the decisions within the old firm semi-finals um, later on in the pod, but we've seen Rangers (laughs) come back to beat Aberdeen 2-1 after a pretty spirited performance for the Dons, to be fair to them. Yeah, I'm sometimes a little bit too spirited from Anthony Stewart and this oh. <laughs> before the full time whistle, but um, and then Celtic beating at Kelly with a 2 0, which looks like a pretty routine win. But Kelly put up a fight, I thought they were pretty, pretty dogged, and they, they never really let Celtic get into the rhythm. The pitch wasn't great, and Kelly made it a little bit sticky. And Celtic had to kind of dig deep out there, 
and their armory they didn't they didn't flow like they normally flow, but that that doesn't help. The pitch was a total muddy pitch. So I tell, tell you one thing, right? If you're talking, but you're talking about Hamden there, the pitch, Hamden must be one of the worst grounds to visit. Yeah, and th- there's not been a game on that pitch for months. Mm-hmm. How is it in such a bad condition? Yep, not one one game on it on a Saturday. Yeah, there was rain, and yep, it, that happens on every pitch. But Hamden hasn't had a game in it for months. The other thing, How, you can't you can't be having cup games. And that's the standard. Do you know what I mean? That's nah, it's brutal. Yeah. You know, it's your showpiece, eh? Uh, of course, a shocker. You didn't see that when the teams are going to Wembley and stuff like that. You know, that's it's got to be better. You yeah, know, the standard absolutely. has to be higher. No, I know. Um, uh, but then I suppose that'll help uh, teams get. You know, obviously Celtic still pro- uh, progressed anyway, but Celtic and Rangers don't like that because they're used to the you know pristine and the you know like right. a carpet and that so when it gets you know teams get up in their face and yeah. they go, they go against them they don't like it and they don't know no, what to do not. you'll see that the the fixtures for the the fa cup are on just now there's a couple of replays that are currently being played i know that liverpool are one up against wolves but there is another couple of ties. Um, Premier League action starts again midweek tomorrow with Man United uh, travelling to Palace and Man United's game in hand. And then Thursday night, Man City hosts Spurs. Spurs need to kind of pick themselves up and City need to get a result after losing to Man United. So that's quite a big one. Um, Interesting. Especially especially come Sunday when Arsenal hosts Man United at the, the Emirates. So that's going to be a, that's a, that's a tasty game, that. Um, the other standout game I'd say from the weekend, Liverpool Chelsea at half past twelve on the Saturday must be. It would have been a fixture that you'd been excited to see maybe eighteen months ago, but Chelsea look disorganised and Liverpool look flat. I'm not really sure what to make of that game when it comes round, but West Ham Everton's my one. That's yeah, I'm looking. That's a that's a six pointer written all over it. Eh? So yeah. Um, also, if you flick to Scotland, you'll see. Wednesday night fixture with Celtic hosting St Mirren, uh, Hearts host Aberdeen, uh, top top four tie at, at Tiny. Livingston, Dungeon United, and Kilmarnock host Rangers. Rangers can't really afford to slip any further behind Celtic. Um, and it's Scottish Cup weekend. Standout ties. I mean, I'm not taking about Celtic. Celtic versus Greenwich Morton's not a standout tie, but if you go further down, you'll see uh, University of Stirling travelling to Tannadice to take on Dungeon United. Um, Dumbarton facing Kilmarnock a wee bit of a tricky one for Kelly potentially Lithgow Rose hosting Wraith Rovers it's got an upset written over that one um, and St Johnston hosting Rangers as much as like Bob said the, the, the sale for tickets has been poor Rangers never find it easy at McDermott Park that could be a tricky one it's, a, it's exactly one of those games where you, if you make it mucky you make it it's all bitty and there's a lot of like, niggly fouls Rangers might not like it you know, I mean and they've got they've been They'll play on the Wednesday night away to Killian and they've got to go up to St Johnston on the Saturday. Tough one. Yeah. Uh, and Sunday Haven't... sees Sunday, sorry, Marty. Sunday sees um Hibs host Hearts in the Edinburgh Derby kicks off at two o'clock on Sunday. And then the last of the games is Aberdeen travelling to Darville. Um seven forty five on the Monday night. Any any standout games for yourselves, boys? I think you've got to look at um the smaller teams like uh, University of Stirling travel to Dungeon. What a tie that is for them. Yeah, sold a thousand tickets. They sold a thousand. It's superb. And Darvel playing Aberdeen. Yeah. Now, like, if you get a bit of bad weather over the weekend, Darvel's pitch is no obviously up to Premier League standards or any higher than that or lower than that. No. So it'd be diff- that could be a difficult game for Aberdeen. I still expect them to come through it. And University is telling them that's a total glamour tie for them. That's 
even the list goes against uh, Wraith Rovers. Aye. And the form there, and they could be yeah. Yeah, exactly. That'll oh, be tough for Wraith. Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. tough. What do you think, Bob? What stands it for yourself? Uh, I think the, the Elgin Drum Chapel, you could get a wee surprise result there. Honestly, uh, I don't yeah, think right. the, the level and quality probably between the, the, the Highland or Lowland League teams against yeah, against the like lower a league lower league team in League 1, League 2, there's not much in it. No, yeah. definitely not. So, Three. yeah, they could then get through and get a, a tie against one of the bigger clubs, mm-hmm. uh, a bit of a money spinner. So, yeah, it could be interesting. Um, apart from that, um, Livingston challenged Stenhouse Muir. Stenhouse Muir is a horrible ground to go to, isn't it? Oh, dreadful. Uh, I think I'm win that one. I think I think they will as well. I think they will as well, yeah, yeah. Look at I'll, t- I'll tell you countries. what's a good one. Arbroath against Motherwell. That's a tricky one. That's a horrible yeah. ground too. It could be a shock in that one. You get Motherwell might actually win that game. <laughs> <laughs> I just think our, our both have been... I think if it was last season, then you'd be looking at that thinking... Good chance of an upset here, but I think our both have been so poor this season in comparison to last. Yeah, um, tricky for Motherwell. Tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. tricky. It's a, it's a, the weather will be disgusting. The pitch will be <laughs> an absolute sweat pit, and I think it's just going to be. It's going to be hard for Motherwell. They can see the early goal. That's going to be right. a tough one. That's a tricky one. That's got mm. upset written already. So yeah. Although you wonder, is it really an upset when a Championship team beats a Premiership team at home that are already struggling? It's just got it's like one of those ones that's like right on the cusp of being almost acceptable as yeah. opposed to a right upset. Yeah. A right, other, upset, a right upset would be Hibs being hard. That'd be a right upset. The other, I was going to say the other big David versus Goliath we've got on the, the Sunday, Hearts versus Hibs. So Danny, mate, you boys I, I who's who. I literally read Ryan Stevenson's article. He like, has a, a column in the, the, the record, I think, on, on the, in the tabloids. Who writes that for him? God knows. It must it must be his his eight year old daughter or something like that. He's an absolute buffoon. He's the thing is as a as a journalist you try and be impartial. Whether you played for Hearts or is is irrelevant. It yeah. talks the most utter guff you've ever seen in your entire life. The man's an absolute embarrassment. Like the day whatever you're doing before me, you probably sweeping roads or something. I don't see um I don't see them like I mean I I can't see Hibs uh, winning that game, um, but I, I, I wouldn't write it off either. Um, but I think Hearts will still be too strong for them. I heard. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't actually. I've not done the the, the the knowledge to work this out. I heard that Robbie Nielsen, as a player or a manager, has never won at Easter Road. I don't know. Because if that's true, that not makes me think that Hibs have got a chance. But there's often like these wee like hoodoos that you just kind of get over. Mm. And you wonder, like, if you if he doesn't win a little one, like, it starts to like it's like a mindset thing almost sometimes. Yeah, I mean, by all means, he can continue for another another, another season if you like. I mean, the, the thing is, with the Hearts games, it's been a while since they've really lived up to the hype. That's um, right. Aye, there yeah, really nothing really happens, and um, I would I probably say the same that. This so will what, what, again. what 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 makes you think that Hearts will be too strong for Hibs, Rob? What do you mean by that? Um, I think that the. Um, there's a bit more cohesion in the team. Uh, it seems that they're playing more as a unit. I think uh, Liam just touched on it there. Um, you guys were playing at the weekend. It was as, like uh, individuals. Um, yeah. And it seems to be that every single week. And if it wasn't for Nisbet um, banging in the goals, you know, um, it could be it could be a lot worse. Um, I but, agree. I'm not going to lie. I totally agree with you, mate. I think Hibs are very much an individual team that's very up and down. 
Yeah. And if you take off your bias towards your own team, mm-hmm. you would genuinely think the Hearts are, are definitely the favourites to win it. And Hibs would need to be on their best. And Hearts would have to have a, a relatively poor day yeah. to perhaps I, get a result. I've got to agree with you. I, I mean, I'm, I don't think by any means that Hearts are you know, a million times better than Hibs. I just think that at this moment in time, they're, they're playing, they're in a better uh, vein of form. They're... They seem to be a bit more gelled. However, they do have that um, tendency to uh, switch off, if you like, and yeah. uh, and there is a bit of complacency at times. And that's where you see, you know, the, we're playing games at times. You think, you know, you're going in there thinking, right, we should definitely be winning this, and then all of a sudden you're falling behind, and then you know you're struggling to get back, and then you end up with a draw. And yeah. the only good thing about it is, from my point of view, is that we're not. It's not losses. It's you know, it's a draw rather than a loss. Um, but Again, it could be anything because the games are not fantastic and uh, there's not a lot of quality really shown in these games. No, they're very honest. mucky. They're yeah. mucky. They're they're niggly. They're it's, it was like little bits that get you through those games. I don't think there's ever one it's team. It's too that tentative at times, um, you know, because they are. You know, it's a, it's a lot of pressure on the managers as well. You know, they don't want to lose the games and they're thinking about the rest of the the league. You know, so correct. Well. Moving on from the domestic leagues, we'll, um, we'll touch base around the, the European ones. Um, match day 17, uh, we'll not bother with it. The German's not back yet and nobody cares about the French. So, um, match day 17 in La Liga was a little bit restricted because there were four teams playing in the Europe- the Spanish Super Cup semi-finals over in Saudi Arabia, which was uh, ended up with Barcelona beating Real Madrid after two semi-finals between Betis and Barca and Valencia and Real Madrid. Barca beat Real 3-1 in the final. So there was a limited amount of games in Spain. Um, of note, Sevilla got beat again, away to Girona 2-1. And Real Sociedad beat Athletic Club 3-1 in the Basque Derby to remain in third place. Espanyol beat Hitafe in a relatively bottom of the, of the league, uh, win 2-1 at Hitafe. Atletico Gave up a lead to draw 1-1 with Almeria and Cadiz drew with Elche, one apiece. Um, next week, the standout fixtures, uh, Betis travel to Espanyol and Sevilla host Cadiz. And you've got um, Real Madrid have to travel to Athletic Bilbao on the, the Sunday at 8 o'clock. So, um, the, the league, again, Barcelona still three points ahead. As there wasn't that many fixtures, the league hasn't chopped and changed too much. Sevilla second bottom. Two points from safety, lot not looking particularly healthy. Three wins from three I wins have, from seventeen. I seen a stat earlier today that uh, they've lost twice as many games already than they did the whole of last season. Yep, three wins from seventeen, mate. Yeah, second uh, bottom. They're going down. crazy. They're not looking particularly healthy. But um, I know that Marty was going to touch base with the Serie A. Well, obviously, I've seen Napoli absolutely horse Juventus. But Marty, what have you got for there? Uh, right, we'll start with that then. Um, Friday night, we'll start, we'll start at the very top. Napoli beat Juventus 5 1. Wow. And Incredible. It, was five, it was five going on 8, 9, 10. Quite they easy. were so good. They were very, very good. Uh, and that, as I said before last week, I said if Napoli can go and beat Juventus uh, and Leo Markadon, then they'll start seriously thinking they're going to win this league. And there's no better way in doing that and going and beating them 5 1. Yep. So moving on to Saturday. AC Milan battled back from two goals down against Lecce to get a two-all draw. The complete reverse of what they did last week against Roma. Uh, Inter Milan scraped a 1-0 win against Verona. 
thanks to Lataro Martinez in the first few minutes. Uh, Sunday, so let's see, we'll beat Sassuolo away 2 0. And Roma recorded a 2 0 win against Fiorentina, thanks to Paolo Dybala's double. So Napoli have got a nine point lead at the top over AC Milan, and they're 10 points ahead of Juventus and Inter. Uh, bottom of the table, Cremonese. I don't think Cremonese have actually won a game yet this season. No. They played 18 matches, they've only got seven points, they've not won a game yet, so they're almost cast down certainties for relegation. Uh, fixtures this week, standout fixtures, Napoli travel is Salernitana. Is that right? Yep. yep. Uh, Roma travel is Spezia. Juventus at home to Atalanta, it's got a good look, a, look at a good game. Uh, Inter Milan at home to Empoli and Lazio against AC Milan, I think that's on Monday. Tuesday, I think it is. Uh, Tuesday, sorry. Tuesday, yeah. right. And uh, tomorrow night is the Italian Super Cup. Super Cup final is getting played in Saudi Arabia for some reason. And it's the Milan Derby enter against AC tomorrow night. That's uh, that's the latest from Italy. And as Shan said, with the, the German league starting back on Friday, um, you've got Leipzig versus uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, mm-hmm. On the Friday night at half past seven. Now, in the league just now, you've got Bayern are top. Leipzig, who are in third, are six points behind. So that could be a massive win for them. Yep. Um, also means that Freiburg can then get a wee win against um, Wolfsburg, who are mid table. They've really put the pressure on. It could be a, quite exciting. I think with Germany coming back so late after the World Cup, I mean, it's been ages since the World Cup. Why they've left this late, I don't know. They played not uh, played for three months. It's mental, mate. They're three months but it means that the next few months, they're going to be playing constantly. Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of these teams cope. I think that's when the likes of Bayern Munich will have the bigger teams will yeah. be able to cope with injuries a bit better. And... But they've got Champions League as well, so I don't know how they're going to factor that in. They've got fixtures to play within midweek, as you, like you said, midweek, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, but they're also going to have Saturday, Tuesdays with Champions League. So they're going to have to factor in yep. that as well as their midweek games. Eh? So that's going to be a, a busy old schedule. Yeah, Absolute madness. <clears throat> yeah, so that starts back on Friday. Um, and as you said, you look at the fixtures, there's games Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Busy, yeah. busy. It's absolute packed schedule. And let's have a look at the big issues that have been flagged up over the weekend. Well, first of all, Marcus Rashford was offside or onside, gentlemen? <laughs> <laughs> Marty? First of all, right before we, <laughs> before oh, before we got onto this, uh, my night deserved to win that game. That's no Ashley money. No, no. Ashley Rashford. <laughs> uh, for me, if I was if I was on the other side, I'd be disappointed if that was goal was given to give us me. That's me being totally honest. But the referees have been trying to justify it all weekend. They've been trying to justify it for the last four days. Yep. It's just it's been given. Get over it. No, that's the thing is, I, I agree. I think that now it's given, there's no point in complaining about it. It's, it was offside. It, yeah. It's not even the it's not even the giving of the goal. It's the yeah. rules that the referees are having to follow. If the yeah. rule was a better worded, a better, more more clear yeah. explanation, then there wouldn't be a discussion. He's offside. Yeah. It doesn't really matter which way you want to spin it. How You, you can't even justify saying that he's on. 
because he never touched the ball. He protected the ball so that nobody else could get to it until the very last second. His yeah. non-touching of the ball yeah. has made Akanji, Ederson and Kyle Walker, I think it's Kyle Walker, can play a completely different way for that 10-second spell. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's offside. And if anybody tells me otherwise, you can just take yourself to the New Year's Bridge. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's, it's offside. It's crazy. You know, if it, the, linesman, the linesman gave offside and the referee overruled him. VR wasn't involved. Yeah, the thing that that's what we're saying, the referees haven't done anything wrong. They've, they've followed the letter of the law Yeah. to the letter of the law. However, yes. it's the law that's the problem. Yeah, my, exactly. My one take on it is I think it's offside. Yeah. Um, I, ho- I think this whole is the interfering with play. Now, we switched it around the other way and a defender had tripped up in the corner or was late getting out and he'd fallen over and was sat down near the near the byline yep. and then the players attacked. He's not interfering with plays well out the way. He can't do anything about it. play everyone on. Yep. He would play every single player on. Yep. But yep. when it flips the other way, Marcus Rashford can run and pretty much jump over the ball and cause confusion between defenders, but yet isn't interfering with play. It's just it's, it's madness. I think it's carnage. Like you said, yeah. Akanji's angled his body, played the line as a centre-half would and done it well because Rashford ran offside. Yep. He, didn't, he literally has given Rashford a five-yard head start because he knows fine well he can't touch the ball. So you've you've impacted Akanji because he's literally played to play him offside. He's not played... He's never He never dropped deep and Rashford outpaced him. He's literally stopped and allowed him to run offside. Therefore, he cannot catch up with him. However, Rashford's protected the ball. So if you take Rashford at the equation, Akanji gets that ball before Bruno. Ederson gets the ball before Bruno. Kyle Walker gets the ball before Bruno. But everyone stopped because Rashford is technically offside. Therefore, you have impacted play. Whether or not you've touched the ball or not, you've impacted the way that other people have then played that 10-second spell. Yeah. He's off. Madness. But I, think, I think what's I like, uh, just uh, slightly away from that, what Marty was saying at the start, actually, I think that uh, Man United, uh, I would say, uh, probably deserve to win it. Uh, but actually, more importantly, I think it's, uh, it's good to see a Man United team with a bit more about them now. As opposed is that to you just going. He did this that two weeks ago. Again? I know. He was slain two weeks ago. I know. I know. I know. I know. But, but it's, it's, someone's changed their tune. They, they seem to have a bit more, um, a bit more about them. They've got a bit more of a uh, an identity now. Um, and like, look at Chelsea. They just look lost. Um, I think Casemiro's done a massive. Uh, it's been a massive improvement for them. Oh, he's a boss. Yeah, I, I think they've been quite good with some of the signings that they've made. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the next you know year or so goes with Ten Hag, etc. With the trans, the couple of transfer windows and that. So we all agree, offside, yes. Offside, offside. offside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so moving on, the next contentious, <laughs> contentious decision was Kilmarnock not getting a penalty. Funnily enough, um, at Hamden near the end of the game, throw comes in, and. Georges Giamakis, I don't know, he's almost stumbled through whilst arms round the chest of, is it Lewis Mayo, I think it was? Yeah. I, 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 like the like the one was submitting with a handball, if you're, if you're the referee, my only question to be would be, what do you actually think has happened here? If you're not given a penalty, what do you think has happened that the guy's now on the deck or the guy's now handballed in the, in the case of the Hart submitting game? Somebody's going to have to explain to me what you think you've seen that is not a penalty. This is this is where I think referees should almost come out and answer these sort of questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that 
some people were saying, oh, the defenders felt the pressure and has went down. But that wouldn't excuse why Giacomacchus has then fallen on top of him. Because no. if he's touched him in the back and the player goes down, then he can maybe say he's just felt it and went for it. But the fact that he's had his arms around him and has fallen on top of him means that he was pushing him, he's got a tight grip on him, and he's taken him down. There is, There's no other... I don't see any other explanation as to why that wasn't given as a penalty. Yeah. You get that in the middle of the pitch. The middle of the pitch, the ball gets kicked in. You do that, and you're getting a free kick Correct. every single time. Has there been has there been any um, sort of clarification on why is you know like has anybody come out and said you know like sometimes you get ex referees? No. Has anybody said why possibly it wasn't given? Or I've seen that the the thing on Sky Sports when Dermot Gallagher does like the referee yeah. the ref watch. I think is he said yeah. it should be a penalty. He said it should have. He said it should have been a penalty. Uh, the yeah. one thing I would like to do, I would love it, uh, slightly, slightly off topic before we go any further, I would love for the referee, like like the NFL or like in um, American sports, when the referee, when he speaks, yeah, you hear there it. should be some sort of dialogue. So yeah. we, are, the fans and the viewers, if you're watching on the telly, should be informed of what the hell's going on. Exactly. Because That's exactly what should happen. Who, who in VAR is looking at that and thinking, nah, it's not a penalty, mate. It's not even worth looking at. Like, what do you think's happened here? Like, the guy just tripped himself? At least, no. you know, when, when they're stopping and you can see that they're checking for something, at least if you can hear that dialogue to say, right, yes. what is it they're looking at? Yeah, happens you know, in rugby. So, like, because sometimes you just don't know, is it, you know, is it an offside or is it because of an infringement or whatever, you know, there might be something. But what is it they're looking at? Exactly. Um, so at least you don't have to know, like, I suppose, you know, we have to get to that point, but, you know, it doesn't have to be that, okay, we hear what the end result is and then they give us the, the reason or whatever because it takes time and all the rest of it. But at least have a communication between the ref and whoever it is to yeah. say this is what we're looking at and this is why. No, I feel agree. So I'll ask I'll ask three questions based on that, right? So was it a penalty for Kamarnock? Yes. Yes. Hundred percent Stonewaller. Okay. If that was like like Bob has said, in the middle of the park, is that a free kick? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the last question would be if that happened at the Celtic end in the last minute when they were one 0 down, do you think the penalty would be given? One oh, million percent. Oh okay. That that just shines. That's, I feel completely the same. My only worry would be that that shouldn't be the way that the football is in this country. That we are automatically like yeah. trained to believe in that a decision will be given against one team and not the other. But it is. This is unfortunately how it works in this country. Chelsea haven't had the best week getting beat for Fulham. Jao Felix getting sent off after looking pretty decent, to be fair. Yep. Um, I waited for them and then they got a, a narrow win at home at Palace. They're not looking great. Um. Should Graham Potter be worried about his job based on how Chelsea tend to run their football club? Well, he should be because he's been told by the owner that his job's safe, regardless if they make the top four or not. So yeah, but, but I, would you be... If, like, the way Chelsea run their football yes. club tends to be success or non-success, irrespective, Thomas Tuchel won the Champions League. I mean, I'm not saying they were brilliant near the end of his tenure, but Graham Potter's came in, they started quite well. You've heard from previous folk at Brighton saying that it takes a while to get his philosophy under your under uh, grips and get it working for you. But Chelsea tend not to work that way. It's very much like if you don't bring success within a certain amount of months or we look like progress, is should he be worried about his job? I, I think he should be. I yeah. think I think that I think he should, because of the club he's at, he should be. Yes. I think if it was any other club and you're looking at it thinking he's not had this is the first trans the transfer window's open just now. This is first transfer window. He didn't get a pre-season with them. It's not his players. The amount of injuries they've got is incredible. Yeah, but I still think that that there, if he continues like this, uh, continues not to pick up results, 
it's not like Chelsea will write this season off. They'll still want somebody. They'll still quite happily sack somebody. Yeah. They, somebody travel, they travel to Liverpool on Saturday. I mean, you can't tell me. If they, they get another, they come up with nothing again. They're, they must be looking down. They're already 10th. Yeah. They can, be leap, they can be leapfrogged by Villa if results go their certain way. Come, they could be the bottom half. You can't tell me that with the way the Chelsea run their football club, with the turnover of players and management, the new manager's clearly got a scattergun approach to the transfer policy. Potter doesn't have that much of an input in who's coming in. He didn't sign Mudrick for 100 million. No chance. Not a chance in hell. No chance. The boys just went out and looked at the BBC column and thought, the gossip column, and thought, oh, okay, Arsenal interested him. We'll go and buy for 100 million. He's not got any control. I, I would genuinely be a couple of more poor results he, he might get to the summer. I'm not joking. If it didn't, it would not surprise me. I think he'll get to the summer. I think, I think he will get... as well. I just wouldn't surprise yes. me if he didn't. But I, I, I actually think he'll get to the summer and I think he'll get... No, it's no him that's getting the transfer window. It's, yeah. uh, it's the, the club that are obviously in control because, as you say, there's no way that he's making some of these signings. They're nope. just, you know, all these contracts, the length of contracts, they've obviously went for something different here. We'll just get some young players, we'll get them on long contracts and then we can sell them on in a couple of years if they yeah. show anything. And then that way, we're going to make some money back. Um, is that the transfer? Is that the way that Chelsea should be running the business in terms of getting young boys in on eight-year contracts with the aim to sell them on and make a profit? But I mean, you're Chelsea, you know, like a Villa or an Everton, they might be looking for like a a quick like gem, the like a wee gem for Argentina or Colombia or Ukraine, and then you can sell them for double the price. This is fucking Chelsea. I know. They should be compete. They should be buying top caliber straight into the eleven, straight top of the table, like top four, top six. And they're only interested in just whatever we can win and how can we win it and this, this, right, as fast as possible. This Mudrick so. boy might be an absolute star. Nobody's debating that he could be. Nobody's seen enough of him to make a decision either way. We'll hold judgment until we see more of him. Yeah. However, do you think that half these boys are any better than what they've already got? No. Really? Because, I mean, he must be looking at that squad list now and going, what the hell did I do? Because I've got so many players in the, in the, you know, the top third of the park. Mm-hmm. The, what, what am I going to do? Because they're obviously going to have to offload a lot of these players, and you, you know, the, now you get the interest. Uh, Newcastle are interested, and all the rest of it, and Aye. Loftus Cheek and Gallagher, and that, yeah, Gallagher and, they've not got a centre forward, though, mate. That's what I was saying. Like, nah. said to, they've got loads of nice forward players in terms of front line players. They've got wingers, they've got tens, they've got guys that can play in the lines. But there's nobody that's going to sit in, in that penalty spot. Not a Drogba or a Torres going to no, those the back of the net. really got now. Uh, um, Experienced heads, other than you know the uh, Thiago Silva at the back, for example. Thiago Silva's yeah. the only one. And yeah. They're signing like random guys from Monaco, like the the Barisili boy. Again, yeah. we'll hold judgment until we see more of them. But yeah. like you said, seven and a half year contract, eight year contract, thirty on mil for someone who's yeah. played in France and he's only played games run. Madness. The guys, the guys clearly got a lot of money, but it feels like it's um, <laughs> feels like fair uh, financial fair play has clearly been. Um, Circumvented and just been ignored here because I think where the money's coming from. Ridiculous levels. How do they get around that? How are they getting around that? I don't know. It's a myth, mate. It's not a real thing, anyway. Yeah. Even if you get caught like mismanaging, you just buy you just buy FIFA off. Watching the documentaries. How do you think Man City get away with it every year? They spend like a hundred million, then they pay back like a two million loan for misusing it, and they're like, okay, we'll start again next year. It's no. carnage. It's all wrong, yeah. Um. Looking at the foot of the table, we've discussed Everton a little bit and we've seen that they are a little bit sticky. They're not looking great. Lampard's... You feel like the players want to play from, but I feel like they've got a, not a great squad. But I'm, our next point was, is David Moyes 
living off past achievements with West Ham. They had a really good year last year. They went quite deep into Europe. They're out their group in Europe again this year, but the league forms just fell off a cliff. Yeah, it's the last couple of years he's done well. Yeah. Since yeah. he came in, um, taken over from is it Pellegrini took over from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he is. He's totally transformed them into a top half, top five, top six European for the last couple of years, and then all of a sudden this season, as you said, it's just been miraculous. The difference what, in it. What do we think it is? I mean, it's not as if they've not got a talented squad. The European footballs, they've they not had it for like, I don't know, when they, they could have got the had, group they've quite had a, They've had a few injuries, have they not? And yeah. The, I think that they didn't have, they've not really got that in-depth squad. To, yeah, not a goal scorer, like you said, Dave. But the, yeah. Antonio's not a goal scorer. He's a he's a workhorse. He's a he's a he'll he'll win knockdowns and flick ons, but he's not going to get you twenty goals. And Skamaka's when he's fit looks all right, but again they've not got a lot in the front areas, and that seems to be their problem. They've got they've got decent players. The squad's not bad. Owen's not really hit the heights that he did last season. Nah. And if Declan Rice leaves in the summer, they're in a bit of trouble. To be fair, because I mean I like Declan Rice. I think he's he's all action. He's brilliant. If you lose Declan Rice, that doesn't send a message out to the fans that we are looking to progress. It looks like we've just sold our best player, yeah, and we are already toiling. Yeah, I mean you're losing. I know that they're squad players, but Dawson's going to go. You think if the boy Suchek or Sufa went, then you, the, the other one would maybe go, and you feel they just got a lot of like, just not guys are hitting their best form, and I don't know. They, they really, it's as if they, they, they got into European places, they went, oh, brilliant, we're here. Um, they took it for what it was, got the experience, but they really didn't then sort of kick on from that. And they just kind of went, oh, let's maybe see if we can try and do it again with the, the squad that we've got and yeah. with a couple of additions, as opposed to going, do you know what, what we're going to do is we're going to invest and we're going to spend a bit of money and get some real quality in, yeah. uh, a wee bit more money and see if we can really kick on from that, what's happened is they haven't really kicked on because they've not invested enough money and bought in players because they've wanted to keep the cash flow, you know, which is, you know, it's a business model at the end of the day. Um, But now now they're at the risk of potentially being relegated. So, um, you know, but then I've heard that a lot of, you know, they're saying that, well, actually we're going to stick behind Moyes and they wouldn't be that bothered if they do go down, you know, because they think that they'll come straight back up again. Um, but is that but the right mentality to have? Well, this is that anything could happen, you know. Hard, eh? I think they need they really need to invest in a goal scorer because if Skamaka's not going to be fit and um, Bowen's not been as lively as he was last year, Antonio's not not against them, but he's just not going to be. A, he's not a fifteen seventeen goal striker. He's just not. He's got but his uses. Do they have enough? Do they have enough to build? The, you know, it's all right having a goal scorer, but you need somebody to provide yeah, to provide. To them. provide. Yeah. Um, so you know, it has to go from back to front and. You know, Rice is you know as good as he is. There has to be players around him. Yeah, um, he's Benrama, one away West Ham. Is he going to be? Ah, he was away for West Ham. He was he away to Chelsea, but I mean, if Arsenal are offering, I'm sorry, I came wrong. Going, or Chelsea will do a total shit show. So, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm West Ham. Yeah. I'll take Arsenal. Do. If you has anybody got any individual performance of the week kind of star of the week award? I mean, I know who mine would be. I think I'd have to give mine to to James Ward-Prowse from Southampton, dragging his team as captain from a 1-0 deficit to a 2-1 victory against the relegation rival. That alone deserves a shout-out. Um, great result for Saints and troubling times for everyone ahead. But I think, I think it's hard to look past Brighton's result against Liverpool oh, as well. 
brilliant. See, second goal. What a goal. Yeah, I know. Really good, mate. But I have to admit, Shan, I, th- I think I'm with you. I was actually looking at giving it to my performance of the week to Southampton. Yeah. Um, just the fact that when you're bottom of the league, you're playing against a team that's down there beside you as well. You go a goal behind. It's so, so easy to, to drop your head. And as I said, you had Ward Prowse who pulled them through. But I think that the whole team's had a bit of a bounce with these few games. That's, that's been coming. Aye, that's been coming. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think they they might actually start to make some they ground. Played, they played uh, Man City just before that, no? And they were really good. I yeah, mean, yeah. Not yeah. Man City. Yeah, Man City in the League Cup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, yeah. Look, at, look at the table from Leeds, Leicester, Wolves, Bournemouth, West Ham, Everton, and Saints are separated by two points. Yeah, Jesus. I mean, that's that's hard work. Mario, Mario, Robbo, you got a standout performance team or individual for the week? <laughs> I think he's came as one mind is. Aye, the referee. Forgot <laughs> 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 his rule book. Yeah. Yeah. Go on then. Who? Casemiro. Oh, Casemiro is. Uh, I, read, I read. I read. somebody saying on Twitter during the week that Casemiro is the best signing United have made since Alex Ferguson. <laughs> now that that's that is a statement. <laughs> wait, wait, since Ferguson oh, left. No, no, since Ferguson was appointed as manager. No, that's oh ridiculous. That's, ridiculous. That's, ridiculous. that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard. That, that, that wasn't me that said that. I'm just repeating what the guy said. Well, the guy was being drunk. Well, and it's like, that, that is a statement and a half. I, would, I disagree with that, but he hasn't has been a superb signing. I can, name, I can name 20 players from my grade <clears throat> that have been more influential than Casemiro. He's been there for like four months. Yeah, well, he's done a lot in four months. He has, but I'm sure Eric Cantona would take up section. Yeah, <laughs> well, of course. Eric Cantona start. I disagree uh, with the statement, but I'm just I think Van der Sar did more than fucking Casemiro's done so far. Mate, you're not wrong. There's so, like, <laughs> mate, you were right, maybe we should do a podcast on how, how the contribution of Casemiro. I'm a big fan of Casemiro. Like, I'm, I'm no, I'm no doubting the man, but that that kind of comment just makes me chuckle. Like people need like that's recency bias. Can that folk or folk just forget that actual decent players played for United ten years ago? Yeah. Never mind the guy just signed four months ago in summer. Who was who was your performance of the week, Robbo? Uh, oh, sorry, Robbo. I uh, I would have went with Southampton, I think, uh, or Brighton. Either one of them, I think. I, just, I, I quite like Brighton. Um, they're really, you know, they've they've, they've not really started since uh, what's his name came in. Um, I think Zerbi. Uh, Zerbi. Yeah, I um, think they've. Uh, I think they've still got a really good uh, unity. I like the way they play. Um, Southampton, yeah, I think in the last few games, and they're really, especially for a team that's struggling. Uh, Ward Prowse is really just dragging them through uh, with his, you know, quality. And I'm surprised he's with a club like that, to be honest. Uh, yeah, somebody should take him. Eh? I think who would he go with? Though? You know, that's the thing. I mean, there's probably a few clubs that would take him now, actually. Yeah. Um, I think Ward would go down. I think he would leave. Yeah, because somebody would take him. He's definitely top, top, top half of the table caliber. Right, boys, I think we'll bring the podcast an end there. All right, lads, right. have a good Take day. Take care, boys. Thank you. See you. Goodbye.